Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Noel Feely, alongside me, 27 grade one wins in the saddle as a rider and the first of many are back earlier last month. No, this month. We're still in January, aren't we? Just yeah, about. Yeah, um, yeah. With an excellent performance at Sandown. That was a great day. A double for, for your team. Uh, Noel Feely Racing Syndicate. Yes, yeah. Brilliant day. Um, uh, there are two, I suppose, best horses now. And uh, it was a big day going to Sandown. Love invite for the mayors listed and Tamaris for the grade one. And it was our, only our second ever runner in the grade one. And, um, yeah, lovely to win it all with her. Um, they are a, a serious team of horses you got this year. Like I, I think we, you know, we, we're going to be talking to um, Ollie Greenland and Josh Guerrero later on, and a big part of their setup is syndicates. And I think we see, you, you see, obviously syndicates winning big races. There's an element of fun about it. I feel like you really, with with your syndicates, embody both. Like uh, we always see you on the race course having a great time. Dave Cross is a big part of that. Yes. But my goodness me, you got some good horses this year. We have. Well, we we set out myself and David. Um, to buy nice horses and you know obviously uh syndicates you're trying to you're trying to sell your shares but we want we wanted horses to go to the better meetings it doesn't always work out but that was always the aim to have horses good enough to go to the better meetings and we bought some young sort of improving horses and this year i think we got we got a good bunch yeah we got Hopefully, a couple good enough to go to Cheltenham Festival, aren't you? Yeah, it looks that way. Mm. De- definitely looks that way. So why did... So I think when a rider stops riding, you sort of go, well, were they going to training? <coughs> Which you sort of are point-to-point-wise, but we'll come to that. <laughs> um, were they going to training? Will they, do they want to go on the TV side of things? But syndicate manager isn't necessarily something that a lot of people have done or do. What led you down that path? I think anyone that knows me knew I wasn't going to go down the television route anyway. I'm not, I'm not very good in front of the camera. But um, it was it was something that was mentioned, and then David Cross mentioned it to me. And look, we've been good pals for years, and um, he mentioned about it. He knew a bit more about it than I did, and uh, I just kind of half listened to the idea, wasn't sure. And then we went and had a meeting with Mark Ball, who obviously used to run Let's Live Racing, and he was, he's been absolutely brilliant, helped us along the way. And um, we decided we'd give it a go, a couple of horses. Um, we started out, we bought a horse called Pride of the Kale, Fergal O'Brien had. And uh, I had I actually ridden him over hurdles twice, I think. So um, we bought him to start with, and then we bought another horse called Grey Scholar. So they were the first two horses in a, in a two-horse syndicate. And um, Pride of the Kale won first time out. Unfortunately, um, the Grey Scholar got badly injured uh, on his first start, which was the ups and downs within a couple of weeks, but uh, kind of went from there. We never thought we'd get to big numbers, but it was kind of 
you know, we start out having a bit of fun with a couple of horses, get a few people involved, and it's kind of grown from there. So at what point does it transition from being fun to being, you know, a, a, a fully-fledged operational business? Which it has to be, right? Because ultimately you're, you're also in this to make money, right? Yes, that, that's, yes. That's yeah, how it yeah, works. Yeah. No, definitely. It has to be business, but it has to be fun. That's the, we ha- you have to have fun. Um, and that, that's one thing David's brilliant at, keeping everyone very informed of what's going on. <clears throat> we get people, there's not, it's not just the day on, on the race course. You know, we get them down to the, to the yards to see the horses in training. Uh, we have a golf day, we have an owner's day, summer party in the summertime. So they have to have, the owners have to have fun. They have to feel part of it. Um, and I don't, I don't think it works if you just tell them the horse is running and it turn up on the day at the races because more often than not, horses get beat at the day of the race and it's disappointment so they have to have fun along the way as well and I think that's very important. So can I just ask you about how many per syndicate and that sort of thing do you have any hard and fast rules Um, is it a case of does it depend on how much each horse has cost I mean is there a sort of is there a an ultimate goal per horse for how many people etc? Always 10 people Uh, we only do 10% shareholders um, so it's ten ten people in every horse, and it's ten percent of whatever the horse costs, and and then the monthly fee on top of that, and um, that seems to work well. We wouldn't want to dilute it anymore by having twenty, fifty people involved in a horse. I think ten works well. They can feel you know part of it then, and you can keep them well informed. Um, and that's the way we you know it's all it's always ten that that works well for us. And as far as buying the horses and money you're spending. If you see the right horse and you want it, great. Or do you have a maximum you go to, a minimum sort of price bracket? Uh, yeah, obviously we're not we're not uh, in the big the big price range, the big brackets. So we're we're buying like Tamaris was sixty seven thousand, Lovinba was thirty eight thousand, um, and I suppose that's kind of like sixty seventy thousand. That's kind of our mainly. I suppose the majority of our horses on average would have cost probably our average price maybe would be around fifty to sixty grand. Mm. Um, so that that's kind of probably our level, and um, it's you can you can sell shares at that level, and and hopefully you can find nice horses at that level. And you were saying to me off air then, it's unbelievable, really, that you and Dave have ended up working together because you never liked him. <laughs> never, never liked him. No, no. didn't like him. No, but, uh, no, no, uh, no, it's gone well. <laughs> no, it's gone well. It's gone well. Um, I pro- so yesterday, Dave was at, at Cheltenham, and he knew you were coming in. He was like, "Give me your number." I'll, I'll, I'll think, think of some things. Probably you ringing really, you. You can stitch him up. <laughs> I'll think of some things to say, and you can, yeah, you can get after him. Yeah, we'll, we'll. Yeah, leave that. I'll leave. Turn your phone Everything he sent to me, I'll leave for another out. day. Turn your phone up. Yeah, yeah. But you get on well, clearly. Yeah, yeah, get on well, and uh, he's, he's, as I said, he's very good at um, the social media side of it and keeping everyone very, well, very well informed. He never stops talking, so. Uh, it works well, and um, yeah, good good team together. I think. Um, all right, we'll, we'll stay on and on the on the syndicate horses for now. So, because people are going to want, want to know where they're going to run. So, Tamuras, brilliant winner, part of the double on on the seventh of January. <clears throat> where does he go? He goes for the Supreme. Um, that's the plan. He has an entry in the Ballymore as kind of a backup plan, but uh, at the moment. Um, Paul Nichols is very happy to go for the Supreme, yeah, so that's, that's the plan. And you won this race riding Somerville Boy, who that's went right. on to take a Supreme. Yes. Is it just too obvious to try and take out similarities between them? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I think he is a similar. I think Timorous is a is a much better jumper. Everyone's crabbing his jumping because he missed the last two hurdles. I love, love you saying he's a much better jumper as we've just <laughs> well, shown he, that. He is a good jumper. Um, <laughs> Come on. That that ground was horrendous that day, yeah. and I think he didn't actually enjoy it. And I think up that hill at Sandown, um, Harry was not wanting to go to the front too soon, and he's just got under the last two hurdles and he's kicked them out of the ground. But in the hole, he's a very good jumper. If you watch his Chepstow run. And his Haydock run, jumping was his strong point. You know, he, he actually winged hurls that day. Uh, so I've absolutely no worries about his jumping. If he's good enough, we'll find out on the day. But jumping won't be a problem. Have you sat on him? I've ridden him, yeah. yeah. And is that part of what you do as the syndicate, that you will always sit on him? Yeah, we do. Um, obviously, the ones that come from the sales, you can't sit in them beforehand. But if if we buy horses in this country and they're in trainers yard, we always try and go and sit in them. I'd sit in them, David would sit in them, and we'd have our opinions. But um, even when we buy one at the sales, we bought one last night at the sales uh, at Cheltenham, and we get that back. David's actually riding that as we speak, probably. Um, we try and sit in them. They come back to my place. We sit in them. We ride them a bit, and then we decide what's what's what a route where we see them fitting in, and we decide what trainer they're going to go to, and um, sell the shares, and and where we go. Right, as you can see, a man described in front of me as a, a luck on Sunday regular. David Yates is in. That's nice. Hello, regular. Like it's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. Anything you want to ask Noel? I, I was just, I, I enjoyed listening to that. I was just saying to Noel um, off air that, you know, he seems incredibly happy and you deal with jockeys, sportsmen generally, for whom retirement is a, is a, a world that they don't want to contemplate and some of them struggle to settle into it when it happens and I was just saying to Noel that you know you, you seem completely happy and sort of chilled and, and are really content with the way things are going and your answer was quite an interesting one wasn't it? Yes uh, I was just saying that I, I, not even a year before I brought my neck a punch down and I was lit in the hospital bed that evening I knew I'd brought my neck and I was waiting to see the consultant I was absolutely crapping myself that he was going to come in and tell me I could never ride again because I wasn't ready to go, and I couldn't even I couldn't even get my head around it. Probably if he told me then, but a year on, things change, and you know you're ready to go, and yeah, I'm quite happy now. It be, must be that closure. I remember the the first of these I ever did. We had Richard Dunwoody in, and I'd read his book beforehand. And the the big thing to take away from that <coughs> was he he didn't get to retire on his own terms. He he had that experience. I think it was his neck as well. Yes, but he was he had actually, he had a consultant say you cannot ride anymore. And actually, I think I led Richard Dunwoody up on one of his last rides at Perth. Did you? Before he flew off to America, didn't he to see the specialist? Well, he did. Yeah, he went back. I'm and forth pretty sure he didn't times. ride again after that. Um, so I think I led him up on one of his last rides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he definitely, you know, he was quite open about. It. He, he just it took him a long time to deal with that fact that he was he was told you've got to stop. As opposed to saying, "That's me." Yeah, but I suppose looking back now, he wasn't. What was he? Thirty-five, thirty-six when he retired. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, mid sort of so mid, mid to late nineties. Jockeys are carry on a lot longer nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you stopped? Forty-three. Okay. An old man. <laughs> Not at all. Dave's shaking his head. I'm fifty-four. <laughs> um. Should we get stuck into yesterday? You were there yesterday, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, great. So, Cotswold Chase first of all. That's the first race we're going to have a look at. Uh, it was a... Well, actually, just overall, what a day that was. I walked in 
um, ahead of nine races. There was a band playing. We walked in, and I thought, we're, it's been such a quiet time. We're back, and it, it was such a good buzz there yesterday, Dave. It really was. It was. It was really cold, wasn't it? It was chilly, but it was a fantastic day's racing. Um, there were obviously plenty of clues going forward, but. It, in its own right, I thought that was a, a really, I suppose, sort of satisfying day's racing is how I would describe it. Um, the the, uh, the Clarence House chase, which sometimes when they're moved, they sort of, you know, they're sort of on the undercard of the of the main bill, aren't they? Essentially, that you know, the Cotswold chase, that the the, um, uh, the Cleve Hurdle were the, the races that originally we thought we would we, we wanted to go and see there and the result of the Clarence House chase as well which was a, a, a an amazing sort of human interest mm. uh, story but yeah the, the the Cotswold chase too there were it was quite an interesting thing yesterday that in the press room we sort of sit opposite each other and say you know what are you leading on and there was a difference there was a, a difference of opinion between the Cotswold chase and the Clarence House uh, as to which had been the the more newsworthy but I think that both views are perfectly legitimate. So the Cotswold Chase was won by Ahoy Senor. Um, I suppose as a Gold Cup trial, this had a, this, this had that sentiment about it, I think. Um, Sean Quinlan on Sounds Russian, Noel at this point, had, had decided to take it up. They hadn't gone very quick early on. There was one point in particular where Brian Frost and Frodon were seemed to be going a, a, a very slow pace just early on into the race. And then um, Sounds Russian took it up, perhaps paid the price for that a little bit later on. Um, Ahoy Senor just kept on going he wasn't absolutely foot perfect some engine he's got there he has and he actually looked more of a stayer yesterday didn't he um and his jumping i suppose was, was fractionally better than it can be there was one or two um errors but uh really good staying performance i, th- I think uh the seconds run a, a great race as well so uh, i think both trainers will be very happy with both horses afterwards Obviously, this was a, a, a poignant victory for Lucinda Russell. She lost her father, Peter, on Monday. And she spoke afterwards about this horse has had its critics. And I suppose everything... When I was at Timeform, they used to, people used to say that the, the quickest route to a squiggle, which obviously denotes an ungenuine horse, is via a large P, which was the symbol that meant, you know, this horse has run once and has, you know, sort of could be anything. And... Ahoy Senor set the bar with that long, wide margin victory at Newbury on the the uh, you know Coral Gold Cup day of last year of, of two years ago, didn't he? He was f- fantastically impressive, and subsequent to that, everything that he's done, even even the victories, they've been held in the context of that performance, haven't they? Um, I, I thought his jumping this year left an awful lot of polish to be applied and I thought yesterday was a massive step forward yes, I must I say agree, yeah. um, looks like Trouble was the last horse to win the Cotswold Chase and then uh, the Cheltenham Gold Cup but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to bet my house that this year's wouldn't be able to uh, break that trend not least with the horse who finished third Noble Yates I thought that they would be pretty happy with that yesterday um, I, I got the impression that that with maybe cheap pieces back on and absolutely zoned in uh, for March the 17th, he'd be able to step forward from that run yesterday. It's an interesting thing you touch upon with Ahoy Senor, who is a dual grade one winner at Aintree. And yet there is an element of him 
not getting the credit for that because I, you've you've heard it. He's you know he's he's won those Grade Ones just when other horses are just a little bit beyond their peak. But it's but he, he's obviously incredibly talented. Yet the start of this season didn't quite work out. No, I th- I thought that when he ran in the Charlie Hall, you know he he ran sort of w- without much restraint and mm. and you know. It, it, he's. This was a much better run yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, the, of course. With Aintree, the the disappointments behind him that day, Brave Man's Game, L'Ompresse in that race, yeah. and you know that they. That, that's that's just what that's just what we do, isn't it? We're 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 bound to point out that if there's a hot favourite that disappoints, you know that has to go into the mix too. Lucinda Russell joins us on the phone. Um, Lucinda, thanks ever so much for for joining us. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, well, we've just got home, so we stayed down last night and then left first thing in the morning and uh, just arrived home. I've just been up to see a horse in Europe. He's in very good form. He's looking out of his window. He's been out in the field, covered in mud and just back to being a horse. So I think uh, it was a good day yesterday, really. It was fantastic. Good to see him back. Uh, one thing that is fantastic for, for us to, to witness with this horse is just the amount of times he... He rocks up. There's, there's been no cotton wool really a- applied to him. He, he obviously thrives on his racing. Yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's kind of the way that we do it. I mean, I think when we're buying horses, when we're training horses, you let them improve. And I think uh, for him, it really suits him. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I, I just caught the tail end of what you were saying about, you know, the other horses underperformed at Aintree last April. But is that not what training horses is about? You know, we're trying to peak this horse for for March at Cheltenham and then continue on to Aintree. And I think that's those are the races that are important to us. And, and they were last year. And I think he, he just comes to himself in the, in the spring. So shows that he's a, he's a super horse then. So that's what we're were you always, so were you always going to run um, yesterday? Was there a possibility of, of waiting for Newbury or, or, or was yesterday always the plan? Um, we wanted to run yesterday to give him a bit more experience around Cheltenham. There was a question mark well, slightly about the frosted ground. It, it, it really hinged on the ground, but Cheltenham was always the first, first preference. So Newby would have come in if it had been very heavy ground or if there was any frost in the ground. So that's why I kept talking about the two races. But the Cotswold sure. Chase, it was a nice... It, it's an education from... Yeah. Ruth Jefferson said she wished you'd waited for Newby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. I absolutely agree. And actually, it was lovely. Uh, yeah, Ruth's a, a good friend. And I'm... I'm so proud of the way that her horse ran as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's it. Cheltenham box very much ticked. Were you ever in doubt about Cheltenham for him, Lucinda? Obviously not. Well, I think it's. I don't think you can say that when his run behind Long Press was so good. That um, no, I wasn't in doubt. No. Um, you spoke yesterday about um, after the race about sort of hearing yourself back and what you'd said about him in the early part of the season. But adamant that, and quite rightly, you you know this horse best. Just just touch on that a, a, again, if you can, and and what you sort of put those first few runs down to. Um, oh, what what did I put him down to? He, you know, he's a prodigious talent. He's he's got a immense amount of strength, immense amount of bravery, and enthusiasm for everything that he does. He's like that at home. He's like that on the racetrack. And I think he. Um, he was just, he was too fresh at, at Weatherby. Uh, he was his first run of the season. He always does tend to be a little bit keen, but I think we'd probably wound him up and he was just, he was just like a bull in a china shop. And 
Um, sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with the press and everything that we do, we have to have an answer for. We have to be able to explain what's happening and, and justify what's happening. And I think, um, you know, he, he's a horse that needs to needs to run to take the fizz out of him. And he was just way, way, way too fizzy. And when he got taken on, it was just, he was uncontrollable. But, um, you know, he's improved through the season. He's done that with the experience. And I thought, I thought his run at Kempton, while everyone's crabbing him for it, you know, oh, he was only, someone said he was only, only fifth. Uh, well, it was only fifth, but it wasn't a, in the King George and is probably a track that's too sharp for him. Um, but I thought he'd improved again and I thought the way that he jumped that day was fantastic. Um, and it's just nice that he's built on that and gone to, gone to the chase and, and shown that he is a little bit more, you can restrain him a bit more and he's a bit more uh, professional about it all. Um, and if he can build on that again. I mean, look, his performance yesterday is, is, was very, very good. It's probably not good enough to win a Gold Cup and I think, you know, we've still got all the Irish to come, come over but... Um, and he has to improve, but if he can do that, then you know that's in the natural progression of time. I think he, I think I think he can. So um, I'm quite confident about going to Cheltenham. Mm. And just away from the races, what is he like? What's he like at home? Um, he's a really strong horse. So Derek, Derek rides nearly all the time, and I think that that kind of shows as well. You know, after the race, Derek hugged him, and and it does. It's it's a funny thing. You know, it, it's very personal because it's Jamie Duff who leads him up all the time. It's, uh, Derek arrives at home all the time, and obviously behind that there's a huge, huge team, and there's you know Karen and Bruce and other owners and stuff. So um, it's uh, Derek does a lot of work with him. Uh, Patrick Walsh sometimes rides him, but he's a very he's a strong horse. He's onward bound. He's a horse that tends to work at the front of the string um, and sets his own pace. And uh, you know when we're we're here at the farm, we we canter around the fields and stuff, and he's he's very keen. I would want to be on him, but he's he's. He's not stupid. He's not a runaway, but he's just—it's like driving a Lamborghini, I guess. And Lucinda, really appreciate your your time, particularly after that long trip back. Thanks ever so much. No problem. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks to Lucinda Russell then for her time this morning. So you were talking about that in the Clarence House that you you had to decide which to to lead on, Dave. The story with the Clarence House was that the Moors and, and Josh Moore being there as the representative, which I thought was lovely, and Niall Houlihan's first grade one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the fact, of course, that this horse wasn't in the original entry and then was supplemented by Gary Moore. Um, the Preston family have had three horses, this one and Sider Grugy among them, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? It's, it's some, some run of luck. Um, yeah, that, uh, personally, well, I led on the Clarence House chase because I just thought that the um, being able to, to talk to Josh, obviously, you know, there was a, a time uh, last year when things did not look good at all for Josh. Um, he had uh, complications after um, surgery. I think he, he had a, a chest infection and um, the complications for that uh, placed his life in very serious jeopardy after that fall at, at Haydock last April. Um, it was great to talk to him yesterday. Gary wasn't uh, at the track, but also we shouldn't forget Nile Houlihan, who is a, a massive part of the Moore operation. Um, this horse goes so well at Cheltenham. I think that's three wins now and two in the frame efforts, including in the Grand Annual uh, from five visits. It looked as though Edward Stone was going to get in there and had got to the front, but it was a, a really brave performance to fight back. So. 
um, yeah, I, I thought there was much to chew over in, in that race, Salvage from Ascot the previous week. Yeah, absolutely. There's some of the team. I think uh, Josh's other half rides the horse out most days at, at home as well, so they know the horse incredibly well. Take me through your opinion of the of the ride from Nile. No, great ride. Um, but he looks a very good horse. I think he he looks like he jumps for fun. Uh, probably a fairly exciting horse to ride. I'd say. But Niall Hoolan, like he wants to give himself a good pat on the back. Um, he's ridden him t the last twice. I remember him riding him. I don't know if he's ridden him before that, but giving him great rides both times. What's that moment like where you get headed? Niall's on the line. I will. We'll ask him this very shortly. But do you, do you believe that you can? What we do you have to have the horse to believe you can get back up? Yeah, well, he would have had a feeling, I suppose, after the last whether he had anything left in the tank. And I think Edward Stone maybe started to tire a little bit as well when he got there. Um, but it's great, great for Niall to get him back up on the right on the line as well. Mm. Were you, Niall, welcome along, all, always happy throughout the race? Yeah, always happy. Um, just went plan A, just jump out, leave him jump, <clears throat> get my readers in. And yeah, if I'm plan really, and yeah, it all worked out in the end. It, yeah, it did for the for the first Grade One success. Um, he, he, I said to you after race, he seemed to get into a to a lovely rhythm, and then um, all of a sudden, turning in, you thought, well, this is between two of them. This is Edward Stone. Is he going to come and come and grab Editor de Gitt? And to be honest, it looked for all money as though he was going to. But um, then you really got after your horse, and he was so tough. Oh, he was he, he was gutsy as anything, pure grit and determination. Like he'd come down to two out. He winged it, absolutely winged it, and down to the last, met on a bit of a nice stride and got over quickly. And I just saw uh, Edward Stone put me outside. And I just kind of thought, oh, grand, keep going, we'll get seconds. But the horse just stuck his head out for me. And it's nothing I've actually ever felt before. Like He just really guts in and gritted it out for me, and he got his head up on the line for it. That must be such a good feeling. Oh, nah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was unbelievable, like... It's stiff on Skyville nearly, um, but yeah, I'm just happy to be involved. Really. Did you? What, what, when you woke up this morning, was it the first? Uh, must have been the first thing you thought of and thought. You, you must have felt pretty good. Ah no, look, just it's 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 just a it's, it's hard to describe. But it's kind of I feel I'm just happy. I'm very happy. Um, I woke up this morning. I rode out three laps for the boss, and uh, just I yeah, couldn't kind of get that smile off my face. Really. Hmm. Um, what what's the team like to to work with and ride for? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, like you have Jamie and Josh. They're like they, they're. If you want to write about a race course or a race, how to ride a horse, they're they're brilliant. And boss is the ultimate horseman himself, and a great trainer. And like, like I'm just reaping the rewards, really. Mm. You can go and win a champion chase now. Look, he's he. You, we can we can throw our hat into the ring and uh, we give it a best shot now. Yeah, you throw your hat into a ring and a bit more than that. Niall, uh, great stuff. Delighted for you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Noel, can he win a champion chase? He's definitely in the mix now. Um, I think Alan King will be happy with Edward Stone as well. He, I think he's a horse that will come on for the run, yeah. So he looked a bit gassy early. Um, I think he was over racing a bit early on and, and paid the price maybe late on, got a bit tired. I think he'll improve for the run. So um, Do you think he'll beat Edith 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 I think he'll, I think Edward Stone will be a better horse in March. Uh, I think he'll come on for that run. I think for me he was the horse to take out of it. Who will the old course suit better? Because that was a new... Uh, I, th I think uh, Edward Stone will be... Yeah, I think it'll suit him well. Yeah, I agree with that. I wonder where we are with Energumen now. Because that was a... That, that was a flat run, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. You know? it was uh, I'm not sure if, I don't know if anything came to light or not, but 
that wasn't uh, that was. I know he got beaten the Clarence House last year, and he came back and won the champion chase, but. I think this was a bit. It was a bit flat. Like yeah. You say. So w Willie said after the race that um, first of all he, he got caught out the first fence. It's the first time he'd seen the white painted fence, and he ballooned it a bit. Not that that was his, you know, overriding excuse, but um, he said that didn't help. And then obviously the mistake to out really really cost him all chance. Um, I thought I was being very clever in speaking to him off air without a microphone and just sort of casually throwing in. Do you think you'll take him on up top next time? Not a bit of it. Straight batted away. I'm not answering that now, yeah. quite rightly. But I, that's going to be the interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, his jumping yesterday wasn't wasn't great, was it? You know, there was that mistake late on there that that just rubbed him out completely. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was we knew we were down to to two horses. Um, so yeah, be, be be interesting that. I mean, you know, with with what's happened to the Champion Chase market over the last few months, obviously Shishkin. You know, essentially reinvented as a as a, a horse who's going to go over further now. Um, we, we've we've sort of tended to think, and the betting has has backed this up that uh, you know this is over oversimplifying it. I know that the the race is energumens to lose, but that of yesterday, the betting now has him and Edward Stone as joint favourites, doesn't it? And and um, the winner yesterday, Editor Dijit, I think is a six to one shot. So. It does. It does open that up. Yesterday, that sort of um, so there was a big nasty dent put in Energumen's aura. Yeah. I thought yesterday. I have to say that. Do, do, do you not think that they, after that, would it not be silly to go back to, to, to try and recreate those tactics? Wouldn't it be better to say, okay, let's go forward. This is our better chance of, of keeping Energumen happy after what happened yesterday, or, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Um, I'm sure Paul Townen will have crossed the line. He'll have uh, thought of what he should be doing next time. But uh, something will probably come to light with the horse. It was, he sh I think he shocked everyone last year by dropping him in after making a run in the yeah. Clarence House. So uh, Paul, will have, he'll have, when it gets close to the time, he'll come up with a, with a plan. But um, I think it, the horse just wasn't on his A game. And that was the long and the short of it. OK, the Cleave hurdle was a bit of a surprise. Gold Tweet from France won it. Uh, Paisley Park went off at the top of the betting... Well, let's let's touch on the winner first of all, Dave. There's a there's a new kid on the block. If he's supplemented, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, th th they would they would be crazy not to supplement, wouldn't they? Um, funny race this, really. On the outside there, you've got Paisley Park, who was looking to beat Lady Rebecca's record of three victories in this. Um, he, there's the flat spot that we're used to seeing. Um, my feeling on this tactically that it, that it didn't really unfold um, to Paisley Park's benefit. We've been used to seeing him come with a late rush, and I just think that yesterday's race was an insufficient stamina test. But that's enough of Paisley Park. What about um, the winner here who travels really strongly alongside Dashwell Drasher and then comes away to win in really good style? So. Um, it, it was absolutely right that he was he was cut again. Talking about the 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 market of the champion chase changing over the last few weeks, it really has been uh, upheaval, hasn't it, with the stayers? We we saw Chiapu at Goran on Thursday, uh, winning the Galway Hurdle in, in impressive style. Um, the the dual winner. Uh, it, um, Flooring Porter is is only fifty fifty to make it, and so th there's been a lot of fluctuation there. And, and this horse has absolutely announced himself as a contender. Well, the French were absolutely delighted with that, led by trainer Gabriel Lenders, who joins me on the phone now. Uh, Gabriel, 
on Zoom, no less. Welcome along. The the first question is: Do you know if you'll supplement for the stairs hurdle? Yeah, I think uh, I will go at Cheltenham. Uh, it's a long travel, but normally the horse is okay for for March. Yeah. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. How how did you all feel this morning after yesterday? I'm very happy. I received uh, a lot of message. I was my friend and a uh, lot of uh, trainer and everybody in France. We are happy because uh, never never we come uh, win in England uh, on a jumping. Uh, we are very happy and it's good. Yeah. You need to tell us who is behind you. Do I recognise the man behind you from yesterday? Uh, uh, sorry, say again. The mat is one of the owners behind you. Yeah, I am with the owners and the jockey and my wife. Uh, yeah, and but, uh, yesterday I have just one owner. Yeah. And did you celebrate last night? A little bit. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love is very nice place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That should be a TripAdvisor review. It was obvious. Just how much it, it meant to you. You were saying we've won at Cheltenham. Why? Why was that such a big moment for you? Uh, because you know I was a lad uh, for David Pipe from Nicky Anderson uh, with my, with my friend and with the owner. Uh, uh, we go at Chelt- <laughs> we we went at in England uh, work for lad uh, for lad and uh, the first time you go we go at Cheltenham. We say one day we will come for a win at Cheltenham and. The one day is yesterday. And why this horse? Why did you bring this horse, Gabriel? Yeah, you have a typical uh, the profile for the uh, English race because he's very fast horse. He's strong. And uh, if he's relaxed, he finishes very fast. And uh, he jumps perfect for the order, English order. Mm. Yeah. And he's a, a good jumper. I mean, he, he's a good jumper of a fence as well. Is he? Is he a better hurdler, do you think? Yeah, it's, maybe it's better because uh, it jumped fast, but uh, the fences is the same. I have two choices uh, at Cheltenham for yesterday. I take uh, I take the other because uh, in my head I think uh, uh, the race is more easy. The handicap is not very easy because you have a strong horse. But uh, if we run in the fences, it's the same for him. Uh, it's not a problem. He, he won on the, on the fences group three at, in front. No, no, he's a perfect horse. So, Stayers Hurdle this year, and then Gold Cup next year. Done. Maybe. Why not? <laughs> Always <laughs> trying. <laughs> uh, we we can now see the owner alongside you from yesterday. Yeah. We're watching him celebrating yesterday. Yeah. Um, he or, or one of the owners looked like he he really enjoyed it. Um, so so just how many years did you did you spend in England, Gabriel? Uh, I don't know, uh, 2009, I think, mm. a long time ago. And were you always yeah. going to go back to, to France to start training? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I come back, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, uh, we're very glad you bought over a Gold Tweet. He's a, a brilliant horse and we'll, we'll see you at the festival. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and it, it, it will be funny because... Uh, the favorite on this race is Teupo. On Teupo, I train him in France and I sell him. It's funny, uh, maybe Goldschmidt will run with him. Yeah. Who, which horse is better? I don't know. 
Uh, it's not the same horse because Teopo is a strong horse, but it's not a fast horse, but it's very strong and he jumps well. Uh, well treat, maybe he's less good, but uh, if he's relaxed, he has a fast finish. It's uh, not, the, not the same horse, yeah. But uh, we have a good chance now. I, now I know we have a good chance. <laughs> Yesterday, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you really do. Listen, that's interesting. Great stuff. Thanks so much for your time and, and good luck in March. Okay. Okay, thank you. Right, alongside me, Ollie Greenall and Josh Guerrero, as promised, the, the, the new training partnership that I know you've been um, together for, for some time. How are you both, Ollie, first of all? All good? Yeah, all good. Yeah, we've had a, a good start to the year, so couldn't be happy, really. What's it like working with Josh? Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, we have our own separate roles, so we, uh, yeah, it's good. So that's what I'm interested in, Josh. So you uh, just reading on your website last night. So you do split the business in that in that way, right? So um, you'll be a bit more client facing, is that right? I'd and so, yeah. um, you perhaps will go ra- racing less and spend more time at home. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that seems to work well as well because Ollie can sort of give all his time to the owners and it allows me to get on with stuff in the yard and just sort of concentrate on that side of things, yeah. So uh, take me through your background first of all, if you can, and, and, and when so, you stopped riding, where you went, etc. Uh, so I stopped riding. I went to Dan Skelton's assistant there. I uh, did three years there. Was learned so much there. It was an amazing place. And then Ollie asked about me coming up to him and helping him out. So, And you were mates before that? Yeah, yeah we always we rode together um, as amateurs. Um, Josh was obviously based down south. I was based with Mickey, used to be up north. But, you know, the sort of bigger meetings, we'd ride against each other. And then... Um, Towards the end of my career, I went point pointing, and we used to, at the end of the season, we'd always end up down in sort of Devon and Cornwall. So, yeah, got to know Josh really well. Was it an easy decision to move from a place like Dan's to, you know, a smaller facility? Naturally, given it. Well, no, not at all. No, not at all. It took obviously put a lot of thought into it, and it just for me, I just thought obviously going up with Ollie is the best, one of my best mates. I was hoping that we could sort of get into business together. It just gave me a bit more opportunity to hopefully train one day alongside him which we spoke about um, so I just felt it was just a, an opportunity that I probably wouldn't be able to go and train on my own somewhere it'd be quite hard for me to get started with contacts and things like that I knew Ollie would have a lot of good good contacts as well so if we could make it work then hopefully we could try and get some good owners into the yard and were joint licenses a thing when you both started they weren't quite there no, yet were they quite. no but we my feeling was that we were only you know we, we didn't have any I, I hadn't come from a big yard as an assistant to hopefully get a few contacts to send us some horses. So I'd trained point to point. It'd gone okay. We'd had a second at, in the HG Foxes and stuff. It'd gone okay, but hadn't flown. So I just knew that probably the syndicates and just buying a horse, selling shares was going to be the only way. And I just thought, if I'm trying to do that and train and go racing, it's just never going to work. I just knew if this was going to work, I needed to get someone good who I could trust who would just stay in the yard and... You know, run that side, and then we just grow and grow the syndicate. So literally, go and buy a horse, put it into shares, sell it. Then once that's sold, we just go again. So you'll buy a horse, and and then and then sell it off that. Yes, yeah, so it's orders wise that doesn't happen so much. No, very rarely. I mean, very very rarely we get an order. So we go in the May sales. We'll probably buy the most, but then generally throughout the year, probably buying two a year. Uh, sorry, two a month. So just split it into shares, however we feel the market is. Sometimes we join two horses together, and then we just build up from there. I think we're running about 38, 40 syndicates at the moment that we run ourselves. 
So, you know, me and two girls in the office, that's, you know, pretty full time. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Because that's a lot of people to deal with yeah. and a lot of people in a syndicate who, you know, quite rightly feel the need to be kept up to date and know what is going on with their horse. But that's very different to a, a one slash two person horse. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've got two owners that own horses themselves. The rest are all owned by, individ- uh, you know, all by syndicates, whether that's six, eight, ten, twenty, forty. Um, so we use the racing manager, which is brilliant. So that that sort of generally keeps everyone up to date. And then, um, yeah, it's just a lot of owners' mornings, you know, just making everyone feel involved, like you say. Um, you know, one of us always goes racing, um, you know, just to make people feel like, you know, that's their day out and we're actually looking after them. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a leisure pursuit, right? For it. That's, exactly, that's yeah. what it is. And so they've, you know, you've, they've got to be rewarded as such. But I, I see why that meant that you... If you're going racing and leaving at 10 a.m. to go racing, then you can't be there with the horses at that time when you've oh. probably still got lots needing to go out. Yeah, especially in the winter. The first race can be 12 o'clock. We're gone, you know, so Josh is there. He sees everything. We'll speak when we get back. I'll normally watch first lot. So it sort of tend to be the most important horses off with schooling, and we'll do that first lot. And then, yeah, we're normally off, or, you know, I'm in the office. Because we, we do everything, so it's not just... You know, so if if you become into a syndicate, you don't have to do anything. We'll register you. We'll claim your VAT back. We'll do all that. So the idea is that there's no hassle. You know, you buy your share. One cost. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a lot of trainers maybe, if you wanted to set up a syndicate, they'd say, yeah, that's fine with your mates, but you run the accounting side. You run. You know, whereas we try and take the hassle off people. Really. Were you worried when, or, or are you worried now with this cost of living crisis? Because we. I've you know been talking with with colleagues and people interested in racing, thinking you know what what area is this going to hit the most? Your, your big owners you don't feel are going to be major. Well, some have been, but not majorly impacted. Is syndicates the area that you'd be worried about because the people who, and I don't know on average what what your syndicate member would spend, but let, let's just pluck out spending a, I don't know a couple of hundred quid a month for example that you and it might be a good bit more than that, but you might just not have that now to say oh I'm going to you know spend that on on my leisure pursuit which is horse racing. So is that a concern? We haven't really seen it. I mean, luckily touch wood. Um, you know, a few people have probably two or three ten percent, maybe a bit more, but. A lot of people maybe just have one ten percent between a couple, mm. and to be honest, it's it's been we haven't we've probably slowed up on the orders, but the horses we do have, um, you know, I think you know we seem to be okay. Who makes the racing decisions between you? Generally, I do. I do all the race planning and obviously discuss with Ollie as to what owners are wanting to do and what they've said. And um, but I think we do discuss everything, but also. At the start, it was a bit tricky, wasn't it? That we just needed to, yeah. one person had to sort of have the final say to do it with certain things to do with the business or the racing. So there's certain things that we sort of both have the final say on, and I do all the race planning and entries and decks and things. So was that hard for you to give up? It, it was strange um, having trained the point to pointers, being solely in charge. It did. It did take us a couple of well, a couple of years, and we were both trying to say, you know, and I'd obviously trained at the yard for six years before, yeah. I knew the gallops and I was saying, you know, this is what we do and this is, yeah. and the staff I'd, the staff that were with me had been under me, so they found it quite difficult I think, but, you know, we worked through it and it just, you know I, I'm not a sort of character that's going to, you know, get too offended and once we decided that actually it's too opinionated 
you know, nobody's right really in, in racing. There's, you know, everybody's got a different opinion. We just, I just said, right, Josh, you decide. That's your department. You decide. You know, I'll have an opinion, but so if somebody comes in to ride the horse and has got something to feedback about that, it goes to you. Generally, but by yeah. And large. yeah. So I'll always be out there watching the horses and yeah. listening to what's going on and what everyone's doing. Um, but I, I just think we're such we're such different characters that it does work in that I'm probably a bit bullheaded sometimes, a bit strong in my opinion, and Ollie's the opposite, and he's, we do work well together in that sense. Those clear boundaries, though, must be so important. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's probably now why you're seeing the results you are. Like I was saying to you before, there's a buzz about you guys now, which must... I don't know if you're aware of it, well, you probably are aware of it. It must feel quite nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, we're just getting better horses, they're running well... Um, more horses, yeah. No, it's good. People, uh, you know, we we hope to be do what we get good service and training winners is mm. can't do a lot more. Give me some horses that you're looking forward to for the end of the season, or not quite the end, are we? But for the springtime, uh, I think there's, we've got a horse uh, called Snowy Evening that he ran at Aintree. He just got beat in a bumper by the Maximilian that won the mm. Great Novice yesterday. And uh, he ran at Aintree in a good novice. Uh, beat, he finished fifth, not beaten far at all. And then he wasn't quite right last time. Uh, but he's coming good again. He probably wants some nicer ground, but he's he looks real nice. And hopefully he might go EBF final uh-huh. um, at Sandown. Just really easy race to win. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, but, um, so he's obviously qualified for that. Well, yeah, he's qualified for it, yeah. But we just need uh, one more run for handicap, Mark. So, okay. um, yeah, so he... And we've had a horse come over from France called Jaguar... JP's of juvenile, uh, who's second in Otoy. He looks like he could be a proper horse in the future, hopefully. Having the JP link up must be great. Yeah, no, that was um, was really really good. Um, I rode at the same time as AP, and I'm, I'm not saying we're friends, but we, you know we, we got we got on well. And um, it was just it, the dad dad and a syndicate of friends buy foals in France, and they do well. And for whatever reason, JP's bought a lot of them normally to go to Gordon or. Willie Mullins, but this one horse came along, and I I mentioned it to AP, and he said, you know, we'll see. And um, yeah, they bought him. He came to us, and then a year later, they've got another one. So it's really nice. And Arocco's probably looking like our best horse. The Eclipse Awards in America earlier on this week. We know some of the winners. Here's a, a recap of who they were. We're hearing from one very shortly. Uh, this was the horse of the year, Flightline, unsurprisingly. The two-year-old male was Forte. Wonder Wheel was the two-year-old filly. The three-year-old male, Epicenter. Three-year-old filly was Ness. Flightline, the older dirt male. Malathart, the star filly. Male sprinter was Elite Power. Uh, Goodnight Olive was the female sprinter. Male turf horse was Modern Games. Uh, Regal Glory, female turf horse. The steeplechase horse was Hewick for Shark Hanlon. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, this was that moment that Shark won the award. These are your finalists for champion steeplechase horse. In the rough and ready division of steeplechasers, standout performances included Snap Decisions win in the Grade 1 Iroquois and Jonathan Shepard. Down Royal triumphed in the Grade 1 Smithwick Memorial. Hewick won a pair of races in England and Ireland before a runaway victory in the Grade 1 United States Grand National at Far Hills. them in the Grand National! And the winner is, we might need longer on the clock, Hewick. 
owned by TJ McDonald and trained by John Shark Harlan, Hewitt was bred in Ireland by William Quinn. Congratulations, Shark. Can't believe it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Listen, I, I don't know what to say. I can't, I can't believe that we came over here. We won the race in Far Hills, and um, he's had been a very good horse for us, for the whole family. Um, I bought him in my own local sales for 800 quid, and um, he's up to win a half million. But tonight is definitely the biggest night of my life. And uh, thank you for everyone. Oh, that was great. And what we, what we love seeing is, is pure emotion when it comes to these horses and to, to horses who can make dreams come true, which Shark Handling, that's exactly what, what Hewick has done. Um, where are you in the world, Shark? Are you still stateside? I'm still stateside here, so I am. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, and we were out for a few drinks last night, so we're not great this morning, so we're not. And, um, I listen, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I, I thought coming over, we had no chance. I wasn't going to come over. And I just said, when you're invited to something like this, to see at the other side of the world what happens, I can, I'm very proud to come over here and represent Ireland, England, and to go in this was just very it was emotional at the time because I tell you I thought of a lot of things that happened during the year when they called me name and there was a lot of great things and there was a mad thing that wasn't good and um it just all it all hit me. But listen, it was absolutely brilliant to be here. Yeah. Look, one of the things you, you mentioned there um, was, of course, Jack de Bromhead's passing. You, you mentioned it afterwards as well, I, I know, and, and, and you know, his friendship with your, your son, etc. And you know, I get the, the obvious impression that's always been at the forefront of your mind. Every time, really, you, you've been on camera and interviewed about this horse or anything else, you, you've just not stopped thinking about that. No, you don't. Like, it's just something that's always on your head, you know. It's there, and it'll always be there, and... Like for the like of Heather and Henry, it must be so hard for them. Mm. Um, this horse has been incredible. How how on earth has he taken you on this journey from eight hundred euros to standing up there collecting the 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 Eclipse Steeplechase Award? How, how has this happened? Listen, for the last year and a half, starting. With um, the Bet365, the Galway Plate, Listol, um, come back to America and win. Like, it just proves to everyone and to every owner. Like, I'm after getting new syndicates in there because it is a dream. And when you go into racing, it is a dream. But, like, I think for everyone, Ireland, England, like, lads that see this happening, it's given everyone a chance. It's given, it doesn't matter what the horse costs. Um, you can be into a horse, he might be good, he might be no good, but like it's it, it's given every trainer, every owner, people sitting at home saying, Jesus, I should get into a syndicate there. And like all over England and Ireland, the trainers, it's, it's great to see a, a, 
like new owners coming into the yard. But like this year, I set up a syndicate there, and a thousand pound all in for as many people that can go into it. Right, we have two good horses, cost seventy grand, and one of them ran there a fortnight ago. There was forty people with us. The horse finished fourth or fifth, but we had some night. We had a great crack, and that's what it's all about, and that's what racing needs. Um, to get them people back into racing. The COVID slowed down a lot of things, but it's time for, for everyone to get out and try and get syndicates going there again. Mm. Uh, is, is he an easy enough horse to train, Hewitt, or, or does he pose his difficulties? No, he, he's so simple to train. He's a light going horse. He crib bites, he box walks. He does everything that a lot of people hate, but I don't mind it. Um... Like he, he's just one of these horses that we give him after coming back from America, we give him uh, six or eight weeks off, and he's back in now, and he's going for a gold cup. Now maybe he, he shouldn't be going for a gold cup, but this, he's entitled to be there as, as well as some of the rest of the horses. If it, well, if there's one horse you wouldn't write off for a gold cup, it'd probably be this horse, given, given what he's yeah. achieved so far. Yeah, well, listen, he's after winning from two and a half mile to three and a half mile. And in a gold cup, you have to have a horse that will carry you there. And then you have to have a horse that stays. And like when he sees the hill in Cheltenham, he'll be one of them that will come up it anyway. You know, yeah. I know that. He's a tough horse. And he seems to be a lot stronger this time than he was when we went to Far Hills with him. You know, he just, he's after putting muscle on him and uh, tail end on him. And um, he loves his game. He loves getting out in the morning. Like you have to ride him out first or second out there in the morning. There's nothing knocked down the door so he would. so like he loves his game we've done his first bit of work with him the other day and we couldn't be happier so we're listen we're going we're we're heading we're heading we're heading to Cheltenham and maybe entry and um um I don't know after that probably back to America with him oh I love it talk about talk about taking you to places you said about going over to to the awards you were invited and it's the sort of invite you should take up just to, to the prestige of it, but also to see how things work over there. What, what's it been like the last the last week or so? Uh, I'm only here three days, but like the night of the awards, to be in the room with them people, all them famous people, the Americans, everyone, right? It, for me, it was, it was a thrill and an honour to be there. And um, like, it was an honour for me to go over there and be in the last three with a little horse that cost very little money, and to be representing Ireland, England, like you never get a chance to do something like that. So for me, it was an honour. Good stuff. Well, we look forward to you, you coming back. Runners at the Dublin Racing Festival, Sharp? Yeah, we have a couple of runners I had. Um, well, on Sunday, I think I have two runners. So listen, I'm most of my horses are summer horses, so we'll only be getting going when the ground starts to dry up. Uh, during, during the winter, I never have too many for the winter. But um, I love the summer better than the winter, so I do, and I kind of buy summer horses. You're a sensible man. Uh, Jacques Hatton, thanks ever so much for joining us. Well done. Thanks very much.